0: Mindfulness Mode 355.
1: When someone knows what their name means, it's like a freeing of all the emotions and all the desires and all of the judgments.
0: Hey, Mindful Tribe, welcome back to today's episode of Mindfulness Mode. Great to have all of you with us. If you're new and you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And maybe if you're a repeat listener and you haven't subscribed, you can do that too. That will really help us out. I mentioned last time that I just recently got back from Medellin, Colombia on a two-week trip down there. And I want to tell you one thing mindfulness experience and what a beautiful city I'm telling you I had a lot of mindfulness experiences and one of them was that we went on a gondola up the mountain to an eco park and when I say a gondola it wasn't just one we would get on one and go up quite a ways and then we would get off and get on another one and get off and get on another one it was really quite a journey quite a journey up the mountain very exciting and when we got off there was a peace there was a calm and you noticed right away that the air was so much cooler because of course we had gone so far up the mountain and it was there was something very um almost ethereal about this eco park and as we strolled around and and looked at at nature and looked at what had been preserved there it just gave me a feeling of incredible groundedness that's the only way i can describe it i want to tell you about an event that's coming up at the end of this month september 28th to october 1st i am going to be speaking at the global zen Consciousness Conference, which is going to be held in Atlanta, Georgia. You can check out the website at zenconference.org and sign up. I'd love to see you there. You know, come uh, say hi to me. We can maybe have a coffee or sit around and chat about consciousness, that would be great. So once again, I'll be speaking at the Global Zen Consciousness Conference in Atlanta, Georgia from September 28th to October 1st. Just go to the website zenconference.org and sign up if you have the opportunity that you could come and join us because it's going to be a wonderful event. I can guarantee that. Today, we're going to be talking about names, we're going to talk about education, we're going to talk about mindfulness, which you're not surprised about at all, I know that. Well, I have a terrific guest today. This is going to be a really, really exciting interview. Today, I have Sharon Lynn Wyeth with me, and she's a namologist. So, uh, Sharon, are you in mindfulness mode today?
1: Of course I am. Very focused and very conscious of what we're doing and and the benefits of mindfulness and meditation.
0: Sharon, I first heard you at the New Media Summit in San Diego back in September when I was speaking there as an icon of influence. And wow, when you got up to speak and you started to talk about what you do, I was just drawn to your story. And I thought, I've got to have this lady on my show. And it isn't happening until now, but the timing is right. It's got to be right. You know, the universe is saying that to me. I am so excited. So Sharon, what does mindfulness mean to you?
1: Well, mindfulness means to me that it's a way of like meditation is a way of being able to practice mindfulness and to access the mindfulness state. And part of mindfulness state is staying out of fight or flight or being hijacked out of your uh, limbic system, so its ability to hold your stress a whole lot better. And so I would say, in short, mindfulness means the ability to be present and pay attention to what's happening now without um, wanting to flee, even if you're going under stress
0: perfect perfect uh, description and what's happening now is i want to share a bit about you with mindful tribe so mindful tribe here's a little bit about sharon sharon lynn wyeth has accomplishments to her credit in many fields. And one of them is education, where she has benefited thousands of students. She's worked in so many different capacities in education. She's been in nationally syndicated programs, as well as the President of the United States Yearly Conference for the 50 Governors. Now, Sharon has used her innate gift of intuition Combined with her keen observation skills and reasoning mind to create something called the Namology Science. And Namology is about understanding someone's personality or characteristics, well, we'll talk about this. I would not want to put it in my words, but namology is what she's known for. And it's an indicator to analyze an individual's personality in the same category yet differently than the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram methodologies. So I'm going to uh, talk with you about this whole area of namology. I know it came out of your, your work in education and meditation. So let's just have you describe a little bit about namology, first of all.
1: Well, namology is a study of the placement of the letters in the name and how they interpret into behaviors. So it did come out of, of observing all my students. I've literally taught thousands of people over the 40 years I've had in education since I was just retiring as of this year. Oh. So I've been very involved in education and doing nemology on the side. And so um, I started seeing patterns in their behaviors and their names. And so I started writing down what I was seeing. And then I started testing different theories and I would meditate every morning um, when I got up before I would go to school because that would set the mindset for the day. And I've been meditating since my 18th birthday. I was when just going sister- to
0: yeah, yeah, you mentioned that.
1: When my sister gave me the gift of TM meditation, she paid for the instruction or whatever and made sure that I got there. And that was my 18th birthday gift. And so that's when I started. And so I'm still a meditator. I meditate almost every day. Um, it's always my goal to meditate every day. But at that time, I was I was getting up at four in the morning and meditating, and I would get different ideas, like, have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And of course, you're just emptying the mind out and watching what flows through without grabbing onto anything.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: so I really feel that through meditation, I was guided in what to do next and what to look for next and what trial and error next. So I was guided all the way through developing nomenclature
0: science. Well, it's so interesting you say that because as a teacher myself, I I remember very clearly noticing that it seemed to me that certain kids, like okay, a boy named Eric, and I'm going, well, just a minute. I knew another boy named Eric. Oh yes, and all the the boys named Eric that I that I had taught, they would come to mind, and I think, oh, they all seem to have this kind of somewhat similar way of being and this, I don't know, this confidence, I don't know. And then I heard you and I'm like, oh, I guess I wasn't just, you know, all wet with all my ideas. So tell me more about, about this and, and how you came up with it, doing this as an ap- actual way of helping people.
1: Well, I started by, there was a plethora of Davids in my life. So I started making a spreadsheet. And I put every David across the top with their last name. And then I started writing down every quality and characteristic that I had observed in each of my Davids. And then I said, which ones do they have in common? Well, that's got to land in the name David. And what do they have separately? Well, that's all I have to work with is the middle name and the last name. So it's got to land there. And so there was a lot of charts, a lot of trial and error, a lot of talking to literally thousands of people you know, especially as I got more into it. And so that's how it started. Again, with every morning, me waking up at four o'clock doing my meditation and then coming out with, oh, maybe this is what I need to do next. Or maybe if I looked at it this way or that way. So I eventually broke down from what was held in the name to what was held in the letters. And then I was saying, how come the letters aren't the same? And then I realized the placement of the letter made a difference. And so it took me 15 years and then I went and tested it in 49 of our states where I was invited to speak and in 72 countries over a three-year time period. I took a break from education and I did that and I was really curious um, on if it was holding true or not because I kept thinking if I'm off somebody's going to correct me. You know somebody's going to say ah that doesn't work (laughs) you know but instead I got some really interesting questions and any question that wasn't like falling into a a slot, like the first letter in the name or something, I literally would stop whatever I was speaking and I would write it down. And so in my book, that's literally the what if chapter. Well, what, like when I was talking in Germany, uh, what if somebody had numbers and they had to go by numbers for a while um, because I had some Holocaust survivors. What if we had to go by numbers for a while instead of our name? You know, what difference does that make? And I had all these different kinds of questions, which again would send me back to meditation to say, "Okay, how do I go about this? How do I answer this? How do I get back to these people?"
0: I you know? see. Yeah. So, so what did you come up with as a uh, as an explanation? So, in other words, when a child is born and they're given them given a name, do they start to develop? characteristics based on that name, do you think? Or how does this work?
1: Well, there's two different theories of thought on that. One is a religious theory that when there were still only seven religions on the planet, before I jokingly say they multiplied and divided and everybody made up their own, okay, they all agreed on 10 principles. And there's some books out that talk about those 10 principles. And one of them is that the incoming soul impresses upon the one's going to name them what they want to be called. So we name ourselves. So that's one theory. The other theory is there is a science called somatics, C-Y-M-A-T-I-C-S. And it has literally shown that your thoughts match your vibrations of what you identify with the most. And what do we identify with the most but our names? Because when somebody says, who are you? We answer with our name as if that says it all. And indeed it does once you know nameology science. You know, and so if we're identifying with that, it's all coming down to vibration. And as you watch, our vibrations and vibrational medicine is the way of the future. They're doing more and more with hitting you with different vibrations when you're sick and seeing your cells rearrange or heal themselves because of the vibrations. And so every name, every letter, every position of that letter carries a vibration And all I did was match that vibration to the corresponding action that it implies.
0: And don't you teach other people how to do this as well?
1: I love teaching other people how to do this. You can learn it from the book, from reading it. You can learn it off of a disc set I have, or you can come in person, or you can do it in line. But it takes 15 hours to learn it if you're in person with me or online versus the 15 years it took me to develop it.
0: Wow. Wow. Fifteen hours is all. Wow, that that sounds that's very fast. reasonable. <laughs> yeah, that's fast. Yeah, for sure. So, so what can you tell about me based on my name, Bruce?
1: Well, Bruce is all the way through the name, be, uh, all the way through my book, as is because the B R combination is incredibly strong. You can naturally intimidate other people just by your actions and not even realizing you're intimidating. Because there's competitiveness there, there's competence there, there's uh, truthfulness there, there's a rebellious streak, you're going to think for yourself and grow good discernment. I mean, there's all kinds of things holding in that BR, which can make everybody else feel like they're not good enough or they can't compete.
0: Okay. Okay? And
1: it would just be natural to come up with. And then the the rest of the name says that you want to be in charge of you. Not that you necessarily have to be in charge of anybody else, but you don't want anybody else in charge of you. It says you have a natural generosity, you know, that you're, you feel good about other people and you want to help them and you want to give more than you want to receive. It says that you would have a great sense of humor, that you like to be entertained, that you get bored easily. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah. Um, Bruce is an interesting name because it really, it really matters what the last name is. Because if you look at different stories... Uh, Bruce is often portrayed as the bad guy. Okay. You know, and you think about it, Brutus, back in Anthony's time. Yes. If you think about it in Popeye and Brute, the Brutus, you know. And so the last name either says, I was taught to use all these qualities and characteristics in a very positive, endearing way. And you get the sweetest people out there. Or the last name says, I let this person run amok and they run over everybody, and you get brutal people out there. So in the name Bruce, you've got like the Jekyll and Hyde, and you really have to know how to drop a first name into a last name to see which way they're going to go.
0: Okay, so it's what first. does my last name tell you, Langford?
1: So Langford tells me that you were taught that to make the world a better place, that it was all about how do you improve other situations, how do you change and adapt so you can help other people change and adapt, how do you have uh, make it fair so that everybody benefits. Okay. And how do you deal with people that are in anger or really, really hurting? How do you deal with those people? You know, and how do you do it all with self-confidence? And how do you do it willing to work hard to get where you want to go?
0: Fascinating. And how powerful a role does your middle name play?
1: That's where people go when they're under stress. Okay. And If people believe in reincarnation, I say that represents the very last lifetime. And we go there because you had a whole lifetime doing it that way. So that's where you're most comfortable. And when you're under stress, you go to your comfort zone. If you don't believe in reincarnation, then I just say those are the qualities and characteristics that you came in with that are incredibly strong. And so that's your comfort level. And so that's where you go. And you know, some people under stress, they like morph into a different person and you think, wow, I thought I knew this person. Well, when they're under stress, they go to that middle name. Now, some people don't have a middle name. Mm-hmm. So what that means is that they don't change who they are once they're under stress from who they are regularly.
0: So my middle name is Alan with two L's. What does that mean to you?
1: Okay. So the is it an E N or an A N?
0: A it's A L L A N.
1: A N. So it tells me that when you're under stress, you do your best writing. So if you're going to write something, you want to put yourself under stress because you get the best out of you that way. It says that you have your best imagination when you're under stress. So you're very creative with problem solving and everything that you work really hard when you're under stress, because it's like, you've got to get this stress off of you. (laughs) (laughs) So whatever it's going to take, we got to do it. Okay. (laughs) But at the same time, your memory amps up, Uh you know, you can remember things better, you're clearer in your thinking, you still want to make the world a better place. And that you're torn between how hard do I have to work? And I don't want to have to really do any more work than I have to. (laughs)
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, that makes sense to me (laughs) for sure. Well, how do you use this namology skill to help other people in their lives?
1: When someone knows what their name means, it's like a freeing of all the emotions and all the desires and all of the judgments, because then they go, ah, that's why I do clutter. Ah, that's why I do things the hard way. Because the answers are in the name just like the gifts and the challenges are in the name. So you can see why you're here. What's your purpose? What did you want to do? And you can see both the personality that comes out in the name and the soul's desires that come out in the name. So the second book I wrote is all on what the soul wants. And if it conflicts with the personality, what do you do? Whereas the first book is all about the personality, you know, what the personality wants. And so... It's interesting because a lot of people change their names. And so I always say that that's when you have in your birth name all of the lessons that you came to learn and all the gifts that you came to share. And the timing of when in your life you're going to focus on what. Okay? It's all sitting there in the birth name. Mm -hmm. And that's the soul saying, this is the plan I made for myself or got help being made for me um, when I was coming and then the personality comes out in the name that we're being called. So, you know, if you change your name or you change your nickname, then the personality shifts, but the goals remain the same, but how we go about those goals is what changes.
0: Very interesting. Now, you mentioned already that you've meditated since you were 18 years old. I want to ask you a little bit more about meditation. I know that you sometimes talk about the seven different meditation techniques. Can you expand on that?
1: Well, I've learned seven different techniques that have worked because after a while you think, okay, am I just making things up or am I still doing it properly or is there a better method for me or can another method take me further? Mm-hmm. So I started with Transcendental Meditation, which is nicknamed TM. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a wonderful way for everybody to start because it's very structured and it works and it, and it says meditate twice a day for 20 minutes. And so you get into this wonderful habit. You know, you get up in the morning and you meditate, and then I always meditated um, like right before I'd start the dinner process. Okay, the two times during the day. And I did that all the way through college and all the way through my first part of teaching. I did that technique. And then when I was teaching, like I wanna say I'd been meditating for about 11 or 12 years, and a friend of mine, I hadn't seen her for a while, and when I saw her I said, there's something different about you. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something very different about you. I said, what have you been doing lately? So she would tell me this or that or whatever. And I'd say, no, that's not it. That's not it. That's not it. So what else have you been doing? (laughs) (laughs) You know, and that was our whole lunchtime. It was, what have you been doing? And she finally said that she went to the Monroe Institute in Faber, Virginia. And there she learned from Robert Monroe and his colleagues uh, Monroe technique of mindfulness, where you put the brains together by listening to sounds and it changes how the brain works together. It synchronizes it. And this has been copied by a lot of people since. Now, for me to get in a very quiet state, I realized it would take me 20 minutes to a half hour. Sure. And so I needed to do more than 20 minutes twice a day because it would take me that long to settle down. My mind was just a monkey run- running all the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I always used to call it that I had a monkey mind that never shut up. <laughs> so when I was doing the Monroe Institute and I was listening to those tapes and they literally are reprogramming the connections of the brain, by the time I was done with the week program, within two to three minutes, I could get in that same state that it used to take me 20 to 30 through TM. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, I'm doing this one from now on. Yeah. Okay. And then I did that one and I went through the different levels and the different everything. And again, you do that for a bunch of years and then you say, I wonder what else is out there. I don't feel like I'm progressing. And so then I heard about Jack Purcell and the Lazarus tapes. And he does, uh, Jack is J-A-C-H, and Purcell is P-U-R-C-E-L-L or S-E-L-L. Anyway, um, and so I heard about his tapes, and he does a half-hour lecture on one side of the cassette and then the meditation on the other side of the cassette. Now, of course, they're CDs now. But anyway, so what I would do is I would do one tape a day. On his, mm-hmm. I would listen to the half hour thing, and I was usually listen to the half hour. I was in the car driving someplace, and then when I would get home, I would do the meditation. And I found that those really worked, and I could relax in the body so much faster than I was with the other ones. So not only was the mind being mindful and and just observing what was coming through, um, but my body really relaxed. So I did that for quite a few years, and then I read a book that I had read earlier, but I found it again and it was called Nine Faces of Christ by Eugene Whitworth. So I decided I wanted to go learn from Eugene Whitworth, an incredible, incredible being, he has now passed. And so I called him and I said, could I come study with you, could I learn with you? And he said to me, I only take people on that fill out my questionnaire first and then I decide whether I'm gonna take them on or not. And his questionnaire was very simple the 10 things you're the most proud of and the 10 things you're most ashamed of. And so I sent that to him. And he said, okay, you can come see me. And he looked at me and he said, wow, the level of honesty is amazing and very direct. you know." And he said, I'll take you on as a student. Well, he said, let's go do a meditation. I wanna teach you a different technique of meditating. And I thought, I never really enjoy meditation, not that it's there to be enjoyed, But it's always, to me, a chore. It's something that you needed to do. It was just part of what you need to do. And I want to backtrack and say how my sister got me into meditation is she said, studies show that if you've meditated for 20 years, you get this connection with spirit. And everybody in the East knows that. And that's why they meditate. And I was 17 at the time, right before my 18th birthday. And I thought, well, if that's the case, I need to get started. No more wasting of time if it takes 20 years.
0: <laughs> For sure. <laughs> I want
1: that connection. So anyway, and that's what got me started. And that's why I did it every day, even though it's not the most enjoyable thing. I don't think you meditate to be happy or enjoyed or whatever. I think it's the consequences of meditation is why you do it or the results. So anyway, Eugene w- Whitworth taught me this new method. And he put me in this chair like that leaned back and he'd say, OK, just stay with me. And he'd walk me through it. And I would look at the clock, which was way up high where nobody could reach on the wall. And I think, okay, here we go. And I would come out from his meditation and I would look at the clock and a solid hour at least had passed. Always at least an hour. And it felt like two to three minutes. And I went, whoa, this is the meditation for me.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, make it zoom by.
1: This stuff really works. So then I learned his technique. And Great Western University, what he founded in the San Francisco Bay Area, is teaches that technique for anybody that's interested. Okay. Then I've w- been doing that. And then I started reading Ram Dass, his books. And he has this great book out that's like 365 different ways of meditating. And it's like you have both silent or quiet where you sit and meditate. And you have active meditations. So I learned through his book how you can put yourself in a meditative mind anytime you're doing a redundant task like washing too many dishes or ironing too many things. And so I loved that. Then I was hearing about Sai Baba and Sai Baba came into one of my meditations and I was like, who is this? (laughs) (laughs) So um, at that result, by now i had been meditating. Shoot, I've been meditating like 30 years. And so... Sai Baba came in, and so I went and studied at his ashram. I went to be with Sai Baba for a while. And then after that, I heard about Mother Ama. And Mother Ama has a technique where you have quiet parts and active parts all blended together. And she says that we're running out of time. We can't take 20 years to get to that state anymore, which is a fabulous state by the time you you actually get to achieve that. And it came for me at 16 years, between 16 and 18 years. It didn't take the full 20. And so, Mother Ama says, if you do this combined piece with both a quiet meditation and and an active meditation, and she has her people teach it, then it only takes one year to achieve what it used to take us 20 years. Mm, And so that's a very interesting kind of meditation. You have to be very good about it though, Because it's like if you ever stop, you gotta start all over again. You gotta get through your year. (laughs) Right. It's a day. Yeah. You know, so those are the different types of techniques that I've used. And I think they've kind of blurred together. So I have my own now. I have a prayer that takes me like 30 seconds to say, and I'm there. Mm -hmm. And I notice that it's a 30 second prayer, and it just, because it's such a habitual thing now that I just go into that meditative state. And when I was a school administrator and we'd have some real concerns about what was happening and how to deal with it, and some very stressful things at times, um, I would always excuse myself to go to the restroom only because it was a place I could go and get 30 seconds of privacy.
0: <laughs> yes,
1: you know, And I would sit and put myself in that state and say, Help me with this to give me the right words, the right thinking, the most appropriate for all the win-win for everybody involved. And then I would come back out and say, okay, we're ready to discuss. And I would notice that that would put me into that mindfulness piece where then I could see clearly and without the stress or the emotions. Because when you're stressed, you don't think clearly.
0: True enough. Sharon, I always ask a question about bullying and uh, because I've worked in bullying prevention for a long time and I've noticed that there are ways that you can deal with bullying through mindfulness. But I want to ask you, if you have a story, it could be childhood, it could be adult, it could be in your business life, where where mindfulness would have actually made a difference.
1: Um, I saw so much bullying when I was growing up. That I think that's the reason I spent the 18 years developing pneumology science, because I was seeing the benefits of it, Mm -hmm. that it could help people know how to handle different things. But I really got to see bullying grow when I was a teacher. And I would watch how kids would shame other kids or uh, make them feel less than. You know, they would make little snide comments like, who are you? (laughs) You know, or... Just the snideness, and they're so subtle sometimes that I think a lot of people wouldn't catch them. And so in my classroom, I will tell you that when kids bully other kids, and I love teaching middle school, and that's where it really comes out. You know, that's just a tough year for everybody. When I would watch a kid make some kind of awful remark to somebody else, um, I've learned to say to them, wow, I just heard what you said. And for you to do that, you must really be in pain yourself or you wouldn't want to be causing somebody else that kind of pain. You know, and is this happening to you in school, out of school? Would you like to talk with me in public or private? But we need to discuss this because your level of hurt is now coming out to cause other people pain and that's not appropriate. And that's how I would handle that. But I will tell you. Because I grew up where so many people were being bullied, we learned to defend ourselves and how to how to talk back right away. So I will tell you a story that I did that I'm not proud of, but I've, it stopped me in my tracks afterwards, and I, I've never done something like that since. And it was in my seventh year of teaching, and I was very pregnant, and one of the kids in my classroom said, uh, what are you going to name the baby, you know? And I don't like to take time out of my math class because it takes a lot of practice and and everything for people to get math, a lot of understanding. You don't have extra time in a math class. And so I looked at him and I thought, I'm going to answer that only because other people may have the same question. And I said, if it's a boy, we're going to name this baby Conrad Demetrius. And the kid laughed and laughed and laughed. And the whole rest of my class got very quiet because they knew I didn't put up with any bullying or anything that wasn't appropriate. And they thought, "Mm, what's she going to do? And they got really quiet. You could hear the tension starting. And then I looked at the child and I said, and if it's a girl, I'm going to name her Courtney Crystal. And the kid laughed and laughed and laughed. And you could feel the tension rising in the other students. And when the kid was all done and he says, those are the funniest names I've ever heard. And when the kid was all done, I looked at him and I said, John, at least I'm not going to name my child after a toilet seat. And everybody else cracked up, you know, and that was always my way of dealing with bullies is man, zing them back, Mm -hmm. you know, put them in their place, let them know that, hey, this isn't appropriate here, and you're not going to get away with it. And we can all play this game, but who wants to? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: But after that, A year later, he came back to the school. I let it go. It was just like, hey, that's how I dealt with stuff. That's how I learned to deal with stuff as a kid. But a year later, that child came back to me. And now I was 28. And he said to me, why did you say that to me? It had bothered him for an entire year. Mm -hmm. I felt so badly. I thought I'm never handling this again. And had I been more mindful at that time, I would have found a different way. And I have found different ways ever since.
0: Wow. What a powerful story. That really is. And you being so vulnerable to share it here. Thank you for that. Yeah. As we move forward in the interview, Sharon, I want to ask you five quick answer questions. So just 30 second answers are perfectly fine. The first one is, who is one person who has influenced mindfulness in your life?
1: Eugene Whitworth. I love his books. I love what he taught me about meditation. This is a most enlightened, incredible man. So I would say Eugene Wetworth.
0: How has mindfulness affected your emotions?
1: I can handle very stressful situations very calmly and keep my thinking clear. And I really give it credit also for giving me a lot of creative ideas and a creative way of handling different situations. Tell us
0: how breathing is part of your mindfulness practice.
1: There is an interesting book out um, that is saying how the author went and and did – he interviewed only people that had lived more than 120 years or more than 200 years, I think, is what he ended up with. But his goal was over 120 years. Uh And in that book, and it says – You know, how do we breathe and what did he learn from these people that were really old? And what he learned was that they spend hours every day just on their breathing exercises. And so um, I learned different breathing exercises by reading that book. And it's it's the book is called Breaking the Death Habit.
0: Breaking the Death Habits. So Mindful Tribe, I will be putting these books that Sharon has (laughs) mentioned into the show notes, and you can see those at mindfulnessmode.com. Sharon, if you could, well, you've already recommended a number of books, but if you could recommend a book related to mindfulness, what would that book be?
1: Well, if you wanted to understand mindfulness and how it works, I love Dan Millman's books. And his b- first book was Way of the Peaceful Warrior. And I yes. just love that because he used it and he was taught it and you get to see it in action. Then I would recommend The Tao of Poo. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Or Jon Kabat-Zinn's Mindfulness for Beginners, because that's really good, because he brought mindfulness to cancer patients in Boston. And so he teaches what he taught them and, and how it helped. Now, if I was going to be teaching mindfulness, it would come from a combination of two books, um, Mindfulness Stress Reduction is an eight-week class by Cabot zinn so I would use his material, or I would use and combine that with Daniel Goldman's Emotional Intelligence.
0: Right, and I just have that book sitting on my desk. I haven't read it yet, but so many people have recommended it. I'm going to be reading it right away. Can you share an app which helps you to be more mindful of some kind?
1: Um. Meditation is exercise to utilize to become more mindful. So any app that helps you to meditate, um, I prefer Robert Monroe's tapes by the Monroe Institute and the Lazarus tapes by Jack Purcell. And you can get those online. And I think Jack Purcell has all of his in an app now, and Monroe has most of theirs. And it's kind of like meditation is the bicep curl for your brain. And because it it helps you identify the emotions so that you can choose a different reaction to that and do it consciously.
0: I love that. Meditation is the bicep curl for your brain. And I don't think we pay enough attention to brain health sometimes, you know, we're concerned about our body's health and eating the right foods. But think about your brain and take care of it and do meditate.
1: I was just reading an article that had done the study, I love to read research, and it said that you know, what's good for your brain so that you don't get Alzheimer's or dementia and you keep that brain being exercised. Yes. And number one thing was learn a foreign language. Uh-huh. And the number two thing was square dancing. And because I'm a square dancer, I thought, woohoo, I'm good.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> your brain is is doing very well. It's very healthy, Sharon. Now, a, a nameology is what we call your, uh, your form of of training on this but would you explain the spelling of it and and why you came up with that spelling
1: well my dad actually named it and because he asked me always what are you doing when I call that you always say hold on one minute let me put down my, the rest of my thoughts and then you'll talk and so I told him I said well I'm studying names and the patterns in the names and I'm far enough along that I can say you know, give me a name and I'll give you an example. Tell me somebody's name that you know really well that I don't know, you know, and I'll tell you. So he gave me five different names in a row. And on the sixth name, I said, okay, dad, how many names is it going to take to prove to you? I've got something here.
0: Yes.
1: (laughs) You know, 550, 500, what's it going to take? And he goes, okay, okay. And then he says, what are you going to call it? And I said, well, I was thinking about alphabetology, the study of the alphabet. And he goes, but you're not studying the alphabet. You're studying names, call it nameology. And I said, well, dad, you can't, trademark a common word like name and he goes fine do the latin version n-e-i-m and that's where it got n-e-i-m is the latin word for name and so it's called namology spell n-e-i-m-o-l-o-g-y and my dad i thought it was so funny because he's he's a physician and um very left-brained and he goes he goes well this is interesting but i'm not going to endorse it and and i said dad i don't need your endorsement and and I thought how ironic that he wasn't aware or comfortable with this because it was out of his ballyhoo, and yet he's the one that named it. I thought ah, great irony.
0: <laughs> that is that is great irony. I want to just ask you: Would you, if I gave you three names, would you quickly give me some feedback on those names? Sure. Uh, well, the first one is Ben Benjamin. It's my son, and his name is Benjamin David. What are your thoughts?
1: Um, first of all, you know, David's one of my favorite names because that's where all my friends were and how I started. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, it says that he's learning how to use his intelligence. He can be overly emotional at times. He has a good memory, a really wonderful memory. He's very independent. He likes to take things to the extreme. Um, but he's really learning to use his intuition and his brilliance because he has brilliance in his name and he can rise to the top of his field if he can stay away from, drugs or drinking or anything that changes the chemistry of his body has a real warning in his name. Um, But he has a very solid foundation of faith, and he'll have a natural piece of charisma that'll just attract other people to him.
0: And my wife is Darlene. What are your thoughts on Darlene? D
1: a r l e n e. Yes. Okay. So, and your same last name? Yes. Okay. So she has a tendency to be a workaholic, you know, but when she's done, she's done and she's then the couch potato. And I jokingly say if she could get somebody else to go to the bathroom for her so she wouldn't have to get up, she'd let that happen. Okay. (sighs) That she has a lot of self-confidence. She's got a nice balance between her heart and her mind. She has her own organizational style. Not that anybody else can follow it necessarily all the time, but she certainly can put her hands on anything. She's here to learn about spirit and how spirit works, because um, every name has, what are we here to learn? And so hers is to take spirit to the next level and really integrate it into her heart and practice what her mental knowledge tells her it is. Um, She's very observant. She doesn't miss much. She's very sensitive to criticism, wants to shut down and quit when criticized. And she's got fairness issues to the such that she can stand up for other people when she thinks something's wrong and finds it very difficult. She chokes on it when it comes time to standing up for herself.
0: Wow. You have really nailed it. I'm telling <laughs> you. <laughs> that is pretty fascinating. Well, how can we learn more about you, Sharon? This has been a fascinating discussion. I've enjoyed every second of it. Tell me about your website and how we can connect with you.
1: Uh, know the name.com. It's the first half of my two books that are out and the third book that'll be coming out, um, this December. So it's KnowThename.com. And so when you're driving around and you're thinking, Oh, I need to write that down, but there's nothing to write with. I need to remember the name. I need to know the name. You go, Oh yeah, that was it. Know the name.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's easy. Know the name.com.
1: <laughs> know the name.com. And, If we don't respond right away, please use our email address that's in there. It seems like we're having a little bit of technical difficulties right now with getting emails sent through the site. So we're not ignoring you. Um, I have a wonderful group that works with me. We usually get back to everybody within 24 hours. So if we're not, it means that there's a glitch in the thing. And we do have our email in there. Just mail us direct.
0: Okay, super. Well, I can't wait to, uh, to learn more even about you and what you do. And I'm totally fascinated. So thanks so much for being on the show, Sharon.
1: Oh, Bruce, I appreciate the invitation.
0: Okay. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye now. And remember what I mentioned at the top of the show, the Waves of Content Meditation. It's a guided meditation just for you, Mindful Tribe. It's free and it's very, very helpful to help you relax and get more focused. With more focus, you can get more things done in life that truly matter to you. On this meditation, I talk about waves and how the waves can bring you the more calm and more relaxed life you've been looking for. Download this guided meditation to calm your mind and relax your body. MindfulnessMode.com slash waves of content. So remember, subscribing and sharing helps keep Mindfulness Mode on the air. Till next time, Mindful Tribe, use what we've learned today to reach new heights of calm, focus, and happiness. Stay in the mode.